Hello, I'm Pastor Daniel Flukey. Welcome to the Sermon Podcast from Christ the King and Living Hope Lutheran Churches. We are congregations of the Evangelical Lutheran Church in America, located in Port Washington and Saukville, Wisconsin. We believe God's love is for you. Here's our message for this week. First readings found in Isaiah, chapter 43, verses 1 through 7. But now thus says the Lord, he who created you, O Jacob, he who formed you, O Israel, do not fear, for I have redeemed you. I have called you by name. You are mine. When you pass through the waters, I will be with you, and through the rivers, they shall not overwhelm you. When you walk through fire, you shall not be burned, and the flames shall not consume you. For I am the Lord your God, the Holy One of Israel, your Savior. I gave Egypt as your ransom, Ethiopia and Seba as in exchange for you, because you are precious in my sight and honored, and I love you. I give people in return for you, nations in exchange for you, for your life. Do not fear, for I am with you. I will bring your offsprings from the east and from the west. I will gather you up. I will say to the north, give them up. And I'll say to the south, do not withhold. My, with, do not withhold. Bring my sons from far away and my daughters from the end of the earth. Everyone who is called by my name, whom I created in my glory, whom I formed and made. The word of the Lord. Thanks Thanks be to God. The Holy Gospel according to Luke, the third chapter. Glory Glory to to you, O Lord. In the 15th year of the reign of the emperor Tiberius, when Pontius Pilate was governor of Judea and Herod was ruler of Galilee, and his brother Philip, ruler of the region of Ituria and Trachonitis, and Lysanias, ruler of Abilene, during the high priesthood of Annas and Caiaphas, the word of God came to John, son of Zechariah, in the wilderness. He went into the region around the Jordan, proclaiming a baptism for the repentance of for the a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins, as it is written in the book of the words of the prophet Isaiah. The voice of one crying out in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord, make his paths straight. Every valley shall be filled, and every mountain and hill be made low, and the crooked shall be made straight, and the rough ways made smooth, and all flesh shall see the salvation of God. Now when all the people were baptized, and when Jesus also had been baptized and was praying, the heaven was opened. And the Holy Spirit descended upon him in bodily form like a dove. And a voice came from heaven, You are my Son, the Beloved. With you I am well pleased. Jesus was about 30 years old when he began his work. He was the son, as was thought, of Joseph, son of Heli. The Gospel of our Lord. Praise Praise to you, you, O Christ. Christ. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. One of the ways that my dad and I bond in our family is by sending each other, usually by text, random pieces of information throughout the week. So almost every day he texts me 
pictures, usually of some sort of strange for sale item that he found on Craigslist. Usually just a picture of the listing. He doesn't actually buy them, fortunately. But he feels the need to send them to us as a family and to me. And in return, I sometimes call on the phone and read him interesting obituaries in the Ozaki Press for people that neither of us have any connection at all to. And when he dies, Dad has said that he wants to have his obituary printed in not necessarily the Fond du Lac Reporter, but in some small-town paper somewhere that he's never been that no one's heard of him. Maybe that's the Ozaki Press, probably not, because some of you have met him now. But there's something neat, I think, about all that you know about a person being what's written in their obituary. It's like you're trying to sum up an entire life story and wrap it up in just a few paragraphs, trying to answer the question of who is this person? Who were they in their life? Who were they in their time on earth? And it's sad, of course, because by the time you read someone's obituary of a stranger, you've missed the chance to know them in life. You can't ask them questions or hear their stories. But it's still interesting, at least for Dad and I, to get a glimpse of their life story, to see the impact that they've made on their friends and family, to see what people think is important enough to lift up about their life. And it might sound like high school English homework. I think I did it in high school English. But have you ever tried writing your own obituary? Have you ever tried to put down who you are on paper? And if so, what do you say about faith? Because for Christians, knowing who you are starts with faith. Answering that question, who is this person, ought to start with God. The story of your life, the whole your whole identity starts with knowing your relationship with God, or more importantly, knowing God's relationship with you. So what would it look like if you wrote the story of your relationship with God? Where would you start? Where did your story of faith begin? Maybe it'd be Sunday school for some of, you, some of us, or a Christian daycare. Maybe a grandparent who taught you how to pray. Perhaps you had a particular pastor or teacher or family member who introduced you to Jesus. Maybe it was the beauty of hearing Christmas carols sung by candlelight, early memories of that. And all of those can be wonderful first memories of faith. And yet in our understanding of faith as Lutherans, Sunday school or church new member class or even grandparents reading Bible stories are not the beginning of your faith journey. Your relationship with God does not start with what you learned or what you remember or with anything that you do. Look at that first reading from Isaiah. And this is God talking to the people of Israel through Isaiah. And so Isaiah says, Now thus says the Lord, He who created you, O Jacob, He who formed you, O Israel. So God's relationship with you starts as creator. God's relationship with you starts before you were born. Psalm 139 says, God knit you together in your mother's womb. You are a creation of God, formed, shaped, and molded by God. So God's speech here to God's people begins by establishing who God is in relation to you and why it is that God has the right to talk to you. God's opinion of you matters because God is your creator. So thus says the Lord who created you, do not fear, for I have redeemed you. I have called you by name. You are mine. 
God knows your name. God knows who you are. God knows everything about you. God knows more about you than would fit in an obituary. God knows more about you than your parents do, more than your friends do, more than your spouse or your kids or your pastor or your lawyer or anybody else. God knows all of you. And the Lord, this one that our psalm testifies, has the power to shake the wilderness and make nations skip like a calf. This Lord knows all about you. God knows your joys and your fears. God knows your deepest, darkest secrets, your successes and your flaws. And knowing everything about you, God says, do not fear, for I have redeemed you and you are mine. You belong to God. You are redeemed, you are claimed by your creator. And all of that notice is in the past tense. It's already happened. It's happened and you cannot do anything about it. But then the next section, as Isaiah continues, is in future tense. It says, when you pass through the waters, I will be with you. And through the rivers, they shall not overwhelm you. No matter what happens to you in the future, that promise is still true. God is still with you. You still belong to God. And of course, obviously, that does not mean bad things won't happen. It doesn't mean, in Isaiah's words, that you won't get hurt or burned or wounded. This world, this world can do a lot to you, and it is okay to be weary. This world will eventually kill you. But even that won't stop God. When you walk through fire, you shall not be burned, and the flame shall not consume you. Why? Because I am the Lord your God, the Holy One of Israel. So why does God love you? Because that's who God is. God will give everything for you, including entire nations, it says. Even God's own Son, God's very self. So look at Jesus to see how much God loves you. I like this passage from Isaiah 43 because this is the only passage in the Bible where these three words are spelled out. The message is all over the Bible. But in this passage, God says, You are precious in my sight and honored. And here's the three words. The only time it shows up like this in the Bible. I love you. You are precious in my sight and honored, and I love you. Jesus loves me, this I know, for the Bible tells me so. So here at Christ the King, we've spent the last six weeks exploring the question, how does a weary world rejoice? And as we've moved through Luke's Christmas story, we've talked about acknowledging our weariness and finding joy and connection, supporting one another. We've talked about allowing ourselves to be amazed at what God is doing, making room for what God is doing because God has made room for us. We've talked about rooting ourselves in ritual, hearing this story and this promise again and again. And today we are finally to the most important answer, the most foundational reason that no matter how tiring this world gets, we as Christians can rejoice. So the reason we can rejoice as God's people in this weary world is because of God's love, period. This weary world can rejoice when it trusts its belovedness, who it is in relation to God. And I believe on this baptism of our Lord's Sunday that that is the purpose of baptism. Maybe not the only purpose, but 
One of the most important reasons God gives us this gift of baptism. For Jesus, it's this moment of confirmation, an affirmation of who he is, a moment for his true identity to be confirmed before he goes out and begins his public ministry. And your baptism is a tangible moment in time when you can point to when God declares through word and water that you are loved and you belong to God. So if you're here and you're not baptized, if you haven't had that promise publicly declared over you, talk to me after service because that promise, that invitation is for you as well. In baptism, God says yes to you. Yes, you are my child. Joanne Post writes, Why baptize? God has no need of our baptism, but we do. We need to hear, we need to know, whether emerging from the waters of the womb or the waters of a river, we need to hear again that we are beloved. So Jesus' baptism by his cousin John in the Jordan River is a model for us. When Jesus had been baptized and was praying, it says the, Holy, the, heavens open, the heaven was opened and the Holy Spirit descended upon him in bodily form like a dove. And a voice came from heaven you are my son, the beloved. With you, I am well pleased. So we, of course, don't generally get the audible voice from heaven. None of the baptisms I've done have ever had that audible voice. We don't get to see in visible form the Holy Spirit descending like a dove. But that's what happens in baptism. In the waters of baptism, you are claimed as God's own beloved child. When the Holy Spirit enters your life, God dwells within you. Your identity, who you are, is established. And the most important line of your obituary is written. You are God's son, God's daughter, God's child. You are beloved. What changes if you believe that? It takes faith to trust that God's word is true. It takes faith to trust that God's love is for you. Reverend Sarah Speed titled her poem for this week of the series, The Bravest Thing We Can Do. And I don't know if you've noticed, um, in the, that devotional booklet, I think we might still have a few copies if you want one, there's these poems printed each week, and you can read it. But the last line of the poem says, The bravest thing we can ever do is trust that we belong here. The bravest thing we can ever do is trust that we belong here. What changes in your life if you believe that God put you here for a purpose? If despite all the voices in this world that invite you to give up, that tell you you don't belong, what happens if you believe the label God gives to you in baptism? Writer James Joyce once wrote, Read your own obituary notice. They say you live longer. Gives you second wind, new lease on life. Knowing who you are sets you free to live your life in this world. You are forgiven. You are redeemed. You are called. You are God's beloved child and nothing that can happen in this world, none of the junk that this world can throw at you will ever change that identity. God's yes to you is eternal. So the tradition used to be for centuries that your first name would be given to you when you were baptized. Of course, nowadays parents generally, name their children before they leave the hospital, usually right away when they're born. But occasionally, people still refer to your first name as your Christian name, right? You ever heard that phrase, your Christian name is? Sometimes people 
even change their names at baptism. But whether or not you actually change your name, your identity is changed at baptism because you are sealed with the cross of Christ. You are named as God's beloved child forever. And so to help you remember that this morning, I'm going to come around during the next song. I'm going to hand you a name tag. I'm going to hand you a name tag that says, Beloved. And I invite you to wear that and to put it on and obviously take it off. We don't usually have stick on name tags. Take it off before you wash your clothes. But my challenge to you is to wear this for the rest of the day today. And maybe someone will ask you a question about it. Fantastic. Wear it and remember who you are to God. Of course, the other nice thing about a name tag is that it reminds you to see other people, that they too are beloved by God. And sometimes we need that reminder too. That's a whole different sermon. But this name tag, again, they're disposable. It'll last only a few hours, maybe the whole day if you're lucky. But you have the rest of your life to live into your identity as God's beloved child. You have the rest of your life to deal with the fact that God loves you. And then to figure out if you love God back and what that looks like for you. You get to figure out the rest of your obituary. But everything starts with your heavenly Father's love for you. And with you, God is well pleased. Amen. Thank you for listening to today's sermon podcast. To learn more about the ministries of Living Hope and Christ the King, to ask for prayer, or to make a donation to support the work we are doing in Ozaki County, you can visit our websites at livinghopesockville.org or ctkport.org, or click the link in the show notes to find us online or on social media. May God bless you, and we hope you'll join us again soon.